Welcome to the True Face Podcast, where we have conversations about what we can learn from what's going on in our lives. My name is Robbie Angle, and I'll be your guide as we learn how to increase trust and experience grace. Most of us get stuck in our relationships with God and others, and we end up wondering, is this really all there is to it? We develop at True Face grace-based relational discipleship resources in order to equip you to experience deeper relationships with God and others, in order to get go the 18 inches from your head to your heart to to equip a growing group of men and women to experience this peace and this freedom that Jesus made possible. And today I wanted to share with y'all in this Easter season of thinking about uh, what Jesus did and the crazy events of, of the past week, a couple thousand years ago in this Easter season. And it's, it's gotten me thinking about um, suffering and hardship and difficulty. And I've been thinking about the immense suffering he endured on my behalf. And it's led me to reflect on my own response to and understanding of suffering. It's made me think of an ancient Chinese story I once heard called The Old Man and His Horse. Some of you might have heard it, but if you haven't, get comfortable, relax. We're going to go into the story, and it goes like this. There was once an old man who owned a beautiful white horse. He knew he could sell the horse and amass a large fortune. However, the old man chose to keep it in his stable and refused to sell it. His his neighbors thought he was crazy and told him that there might come a day when the horse might be stolen, leaving him with nothing. That day came. Waking up one morning, the horse wasn't in the stable and was nowhere to be found. The man's neighbors rushed to tell the man he was now cursed because he had lost everything. But the man's response was profound. Don't speak too quickly. Say only that the horse is not in the stable. That's all we know. The rest is judgment. If I've been cursed or not, how do you know? How can you judge? The people were offended by what the man said. How can you say this, they asked. Is it, isn't it clear that you are cursed no matter what your perspective might be? The old man spoke again. All I know is that the stable is empty and the horse is gone. The rest I don't know. Whether it be a curse or a blessing, I can't say. All we can see is a fragment. Who can say what will come next? What a fool the neighbors thought. After several days, the horse returned. He hadn't been stolen, but he ran away. And on his return, he brought with him a dozen wild horses. Now the neighbors came out to tell the man that he was right all along and in fact was blessed because now he had a whole herd of horses. The man responded again, once again, you go too far. Say only that the horse is back. State only that a dozen horses returned with him, but don't judge. How do you know if this is a blessing or a curse? You only see a fragment. Unless you know the whole story, story, how can you judge? You read only one page of a book. How can you judge the whole book? You read only one word of one phrase. How do you understand the entire phrase? The man's neighbor, neighbors found it hard to argue with this. Maybe he's right, they said. But deep down, they knew the old man was wrong. He had one horse now. He has 13. So how could he say he isn't blessed? The old man had a son, his only child. The son went to break the wild horses, and one of them bucked him off, breaking both of the son's legs. The neighbors were awestruck at the man's wisdom. He was right! We were wrong, they thought. The old man no longer had his son to help him work the land. With no no one tending the farm, he would likely lose his income. 
Not long after this, a war broke out in the old man's country. All the young men were called up to serve in the army where most would perish, leaving many fathers without their sons. This was true for the old man's neighbors whose sons would never return home. They went to the old man weeping, you were right, we were wrong. Your son's accident is a blessing and while his legs are broken, you will have many more years with him, they said. We will not, our sons are gone, you are blessed, we are cursed. The old man responded once again, it's impossible to talk with you. You always draw conclusions, no one knows. Say only this, your sons had to go to war and mine did not. No one knows if it's a blessing or a curse. No one is wise enough to know, only God knows. So I just read uh, an expanded version from the original simpler Chinese story, but I like the expanded to add the emphasis of it. And I don't know about you, but I haven't had a clear perspective on suffering and hardship. In my own life, when I've experienced periods of suffering, I tend to make judgments about what the unfortunate events mean or even why they're happening in the first place. During these seasons, I'm typically pretty short on patience and really quick to blame. Seasons of difficulty, hardship, and suffering tend to reveal a lot to me about me. When hardships or suffering happens, my initial response has provided a really clear indicator of how I'm doing spiritually or my spiritual health. These seasons have provided insights to me about my view of God, and it's also helped reveal whether or not I'm actually trusting God with my life. There are three questions that I go to all the time. These serve for me as a barometer of my faithfulness and my trust in God. These questions are especially helpful for me in seasons of difficulty. The questions are, is God a good and loving father? Does he know what's best for me? And can I trust him with my life? Do I really believe these things? And how deeply, how faithfully? These questions are directly connected to whether or not I'm trusting God. And hardships provide an amazing window of insight into the degree of my faithfulness. When my son Zane was born, he had to spend three months in the NICU. To, to cope with the trauma of watching my son struggle to survive as he went in and out of multiple surgeries, I wrestled with God and I wrestled with his goodness. Part of my uh, coping and how I coped I, I started going to this conversation with God around this question. God, if Zane dies tonight, will I be thankful to you for the gift of having a, a few precious weeks with this kid that you gave me? I wrestled with the questions. God, if you let Zane die today, will I still really believe you are a good and loving father? that you know what's best for me, and that I can trust you with my life. And harder than trusting you, God, with my life, can I trust you with Zane's life? Zane turned the corner at six months, and by 
the grace of God, he is a miraculously healthy 12-year-old who's now looking me square in the eyes. And I remember sitting sitting there watching him on the swing at his one-year birthday party, thinking, oh my gosh, the gift of having a year, the joys, the laughter of, of getting a year with this kid who is such a loving, happy baby. And now I'm at 12 years, and I still think of this question, I go back to it. If Zane dies tonight, today, will I be grateful for the gift of 12 years with this kid and still believe, God, that you're a good and loving father, that you know what's best for me, and that I can trust you with my life? One more story about this that I've been thinking about for about a year now, and I can't get my head fully around, is the story of Peter hanging out with Jesus and having breakfast together on the beach after Jesus rose from the dead. This is captured in uh, John chapter 21, and in verse 18, they're having breakfast, and Jesus says, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Think about this. Peter is one of Jesus's closest friends, his best friends. Peter watched him do all kinds of miracles. Rose, he saw him raise people from the dead. And after rising from the dead himself, Jesus is giving him a heads up that he's going to die a martyr's death. So after a life of faithfulness, Peter is going to experience suffering and he's going to end up being killed violently. Now, at that point, I'd be like, yo, Jesus, bestie, how about you wave your hand, say a prayer, and let me die peacefully in my sleep after a life of being the rock the church was built on? But Peter didn't and Jesus didn't. This is, this is wild to me. For purposes beyond our understanding, Jesus who is love and loved Peter, didn't give Peter an easy journey. In the mystery of this this suffering, this, this theology of suffering, Peter dying a martyr's death was the path of love. And it would be less loving for Jesus not to let him die a martyr's death. Jesus loved Peter, knew what was best for him, and therefore Peter could trust him even when it came to incredible suffering. I want to trust God like that. I I don't. I want to. I want to look at hardship, suffering, and difficulty through this lens of grace. Just like the old man in the story, I want to see the events of my life without judgment. I want to watch for the wider story unfolding. And in the meantime, uh, I want to trust him. I want to watch the wider story unfolding and, and see how suffering shapes our lives and how God uses it to transform us while trusting him. And just like Peter, I want to trust God and follow him with the full assurance that he knows what's best for me. I want to trust more deeply that my father loves me too much knowing what's best for me, to let me miss out on some of the richness 
of increasing trust and experiencing the depths of his love that accompanies and goes with and follows difficult, crappy times. I want to be quicker to see hardship and difficulty and suffering as a gift of grace. James 1, 2 through 5 says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. Amen. Let it be so in my life and all of our lives. And I'll leave y'all with a couple questions to think about. The first is, God, where's an area of fear or control which could point to or indicate an area of my life that I'm having a hard time trusting you with? And another question is, God, which of these questions do I struggle believing the most? That you're a good and loving father, that you know what's best for me, or that I can trust you with my life. Thanks for listening to this podcast. And some of you who are on our email list, who signed up at trueface.org for the email list, know that we just we just got a, got an app. We are officially cool. Uh, you can go to the app store, wherever you get your apps. I don't know what you do for Android people. But uh, you, you can download Trueface Life and get an app. It's got all kinds of stuff on there, studies. This is to serve you. It's free and hopefully a blessing to you. Thanks, y'all.